My name is Rob Wallen, and this is my story. I spent the first 30 years of my life pretty much rejecting Jesus and rejecting Christ and the way that I treated people. Um, it really just created a massive amount of guilt and shame in my life. And when that came on, it, it really kind of created this infinite cycle of, you know, guilt and shame led to more anger and bitterness. And it just was, it just kept going on and on and on. And I was spiraling downward until one day, uh, I had a, we had some visitors from uh, from Marbley. Actually, we were not members at Marbley, and I had an opportunity to visit with some um, some obedient church members. And uh, I spent about two hours one evening out in my front yard, uh, just asking questions because I was searching. And uh, although I didn't get all the answers, uh, I certainly was blessed with uh, some individuals that to spend time with me. Matthew 5.3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. So the uh, poor in spirit uh, is a lowercase s. So my interpretation of that or my understanding of that is that we are to uh, empty ourselves, empty our spirit of the things that we think needs to be in there or need to be in there. And by emptying uh, our spirit, then we open up the spirit for God to fill it with his things and his will for our life. He wipes the slate clean and he also promises us uh, a place in heaven. Uh, God's building a house, a building a mansion and he's got a room for me. So we're in this new series. I love Rob's story because it's, it's a very similar story to many of our stories. This series called Living Upside Down. And this morning, we're going to be tackling the first of the Beatitudes. Pastor Glenn gave us an overview last Sunday. But if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Or when you came in this morning, you got a bookmark in your welcome guide that has actually all the Beatitudes listed on it. And uh, what Pastor Glenn has challenged us to do over the next eight weeks is to memorize each of these Beatitudes. That, that may seem daunting to you. Maybe you're a person that says, I don't memorize stuff. I'm not good at that. Most of us remember like the words to our favorite song or something like that. So what I would encourage you to do if you're a parent, you got kids at home and uh, you want them definitely to know these Beatitudes, this is something that you definitely want them to leave your house with someday, is the memory of these things. Because the Bible says we hide God's Word in our heart. It's a way that God, the Holy Spirit, can recall those things to our memory later when we need them. And obviously, one of the greatest areas of spiritual growth you can have in your life is memorizing God's Word. So, um, so over the next few weeks, I challenge you to memorize these particular Beatitudes that are here. They're very simple, and we're going to do them one at a time. So this morning, why don't you stand, and uh, we're going to try this. You can either take your bookmark or look on the screen this morning. But let's, let's say this together out loud this morning, okay? You ready? Here we go. Blessed. That's pretty good. Let's do it one more time, this time with a little more feeling, okay? Let's try it again. Blessed. All right. Thank you very much. You can be seated this morning. Uh, one of the things that may help you memorize that, like I said, is just picking out a favorite tune, um, changing the words, and just doing that with your kids, and just becoming rote as you go over and over those things, because the Word of God is such a meaningful thing in our lives, and uh, I want to challenge you with that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's what we're going to seek to understand this morning. What does that mean? What does Jesus mean by poor in spirit, 
And then how do we apply that to our lives so that we can live that out now? So it doesn't do much good if we just discover what these truths are if we don't really do anything with them. But if we can walk out of here this morning knowing some specific things to do with that truth, then that truth will get into the way that we live our lives and become a part of who we are. And that's, I think, Jesus' intention for each of us to know these different truths. So Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He uses the word poor here. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word poor, but let me just, let me just draw a, a, a passage, another passage of Scripture to mind where Jesus used that word to kind of give you an understanding of what this means. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus tells the story of being in the temple and seeing this widow, and he described her as a poor widow. He used the word poor. And she came by the temple treasury, and she, you remember the story, she dropped her two cents, essentially, her last two cents, into the temple treasury. And Jesus said to the people around him that she gave more than all the rest, because she gave all that she had. So Jesus uses a word there for poor that's different than the word that he uses in Matthew 5, verse 3. The word that he uses in Luke 21 means that she was poor, but she still had something she could give. That's not the word he uses when he talks about being poor in spirit. The word that he uses when he's talking about being poor in spirit here in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount is the word that means completely destitute. You don't even have two cents to your name to drop into the temple treasury if you were in the temple. That it means completely bankrupt, it means completely broke. And the root word literally means to cringe or cower. It's the picture of someone putting their hand over their face and holding their hand up in shame, saying, I have nothing. I have nothing to offer. I can't contribute anything. I have nothing to give. I am literally completely bankrupt. That's the picture of what Jesus says and what he means when he says, blessed are the poor, the bankrupt in spirit. So this morning... What does that apply? How does that apply to us? What does that mean for each of us? Well, to me, maybe a popular way or a, an understanding that might make sense in our culture is to say that someone who's poor in spirit is someone who is absolutely dependent. Completely and absolutely, utterly dependent on someone else to help them because they have absolutely nothing of their own to contribute. So this morning, let's look at that. Let's look at three simple truths that come out of this idea of being poor in spirit that have to do with being absolutely dependent. The first thing I would help you to see this morning is this, that we enter the kingdom of heaven through absolute dependence. All of us enter the kingdom of heaven the exact same way, through absolute dependence. Why would anybody ever celebrate absolute dependence? Dependence in our lives is usually a negative thing. If we talk about somebody being dependent, it's usually not a positive thing. And so why would anybody celebrate that? The opposite of absolute dependence is absolute independence, I suppose. Human pride. One of the things that most humans are full of is pride. This idea that I don't really need your help and I don't want your help, I can do it myself. You ever experienced that in your own life? No, no, I don't want any help. I don't want to ask for any help, right? And sometimes it's so obvious that you need help and everybody's trying to help you and you're like, I don't want any help, right? It's the essence of human pride, and dependence is the absence, or the uh, opposite, actually, of dependence. It's the enemy of dependence. So it's no wonder here that Jesus is attacking perhaps the most pervasive human sin, and that is independence, sufficiency, self-sufficiency to say, no, God, I got this. Well, none of us can come before God as self-sufficient people and say, I got this, and enter the kingdom of heaven. 
That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. They inherit the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. But we all start the same way. The Bible says in James 4, 6, which is a quote of Proverbs 3, he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God's opposed to people who say, I got this. I don't need your help, God. I can do this myself. God is opposed to that. God honors or blesses someone who comes and says, I don't have anything. I am, I am completely helpless and need your help, God. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. And no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they come that way. That's what Jesus is saying. So how do you, how do you enter the kingdom of heaven? How do you demonstrate absolute dependence? Well, three things real quick this morning. First of all, you have to admit your, your spiritual condition. You have to admit where you are. You have to know where you are and actually admit that. And, and what that means is you know that you're not headed to heaven, you're actually headed to hell for all eternity. That is the true spiritual condition of someone who's not a believer in Jesus Christ. And there's nothing you or I in our own strength can do about that. The Bible says it's, with man it's impossible, with God all things are possible. So yes, there's a way, I'm here to share the good news with you, but on your own, in your own strength, in your own goodness, it's not possible. You can't enter the kingdom of heaven that way. Pastor Glenn got it right this week when he said, the poor in spirit have a realistic view of themselves. They see themselves as completely without anything to offer the Lord, completely destitute before him. Isn't that the way, those of you who are believers, isn't that the way you came to Christ? You realized, I have nothing. I'm going to fall completely on the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to come into my life and save me. I have to admit, though, to begin with, where I am and who I am. Remember what Rob said in the video just a second ago? He said, I was in an infinite cycle of guilt and shame, which led to anger and bitterness, and it kept going on and on, and I was spiraling downward. Probably no one outside Rob's life could see that. Maybe those closest to him could. But people that worked with him, his neighbors, they might have thought Rob's got it all together. But internally, Rob knew exactly how destitute he was. He knew exactly where he was. And some of you here today know you're in the exact same place, and you think that's a terrible place, but that's actually the starting place. That's how you enter the kingdom of heaven, is by coming to the end of yourself and saying, I have nothing. I can't offer the Lord anything, but I'm going to turn to the Lord. And so you admit, secondly, you abandon, you literally abandon your current life. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And the word for deny there means literally disown. Jesus said, disown your life. Walk away from it. Abandon it. Jesus said, if you lose your life for my sake in the gospel, you find it. But if you try to save your life, you try to hold on to your life, you're ultimately going to lose it. So Jesus said, all of us who come, we have to abandon our current life. We have to admit that we're full of pride that we've tried to do it our way. Like Rob said, I didn't really want anything to do with Jesus for 30 years of my life. I didn't need Jesus' help. I rejected Jesus. But you have to come to the place where you abandon that attitude, you abandon that lifestyle of self-sufficiency, and you say, no, I've got to completely trust in what the Lord has for me and who He is. I've got to forsake everything to follow Jesus. And here's how Jesus described it, and this is going to be familiar to you. In Matthew 13, it says, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. And then in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he's found the one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. 
That's what it looks like to come to Jesus Christ, to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what it means to be poor in spirit, to say, I have all this stuff, but I'll get rid of all of that if I can have salvation, if I can be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said the guy goes and sells everything. Did you catch that? He goes and sells everything in order to gain the most valuable thing. Now, this week, unless you live under a rock, and I suppose maybe some of you do, I don't know, but um, you probably heard the name Colin Kaepernick this week, right? Oh yeah, and he did an ad, and there's a big ad campaign by Nike, and hopefully you haven't burned all your stuff just yet, but you might have, I don't know. But the reality is, they came out with this ad, they featured Colin Kaepernick, and here's what the ad says. The ad says, believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything. Okay? Now, people have been ripping that off all weekend and putting different memes up all over social media for different reasons about that same idea. But can I just tell you, I'm not here to talk about Colin Kaepernick today, can I tell you that that, Jesus said that a long time ago? (laughs) Believe in something even if it costs you your entire life. Forsake your life. Abandon your life and come to Jesus. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. So Jesus is talking about this idea of repentance, of changing the way you think about your life. See, we think, if I hold on to my life, I'll find it. No, Jesus said, let go of it. Abandon it, and you'll actually find it then. I'll, have, I'll give you a life. And the third thing, not only do we admit and abandon, but the last thing is this, we ask. There's no greater demonstration of your trust in Jesus Christ and your own poverty than saying, I need help. I'm asking you to help me. You ever been in that situation where you were so bad that you had to actually ask somebody to help you? I know, men, it's tough, right? We don't ever want to ask anybody to help us. Ladies, too, sometimes we're so full of ourselves that we don't want to admit that we actually need help, but we can't enter the kingdom of heaven on our own. And, and the clearest, to me, the clearest verse about assurance of salvation in the Bible is found in Romans 10, verse 13, where Paul says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's just as simple as calling upon Jesus asking him to come in and save you. Not just sort of morphing into salvation someday. No, having a a point in time where you actually say, Lord, I can't do this. Will you help me? I need your help. That's a beautiful place. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. Everyone enters the kingdom of heaven the same way, by absolutely depending on Jesus Christ. There's a story in the book of Daniel about the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. You guys have probably all heard of him. If you haven't, go back and read the first four chapters of Daniel sometime this week. It's an amazing story. He's the king of Babylon, which means essentially he's the king of the world. He's a powerful guy. And he's the king of the world, and he comes to the end of himself, and God actually says, you know what? I'm going to take all your stuff away from you. I'm going to send you out to the pasture, and you're going to eat grass like cows. You're going to have dew on you every morning. You're going to be just like wildlife out there. I'm going to take it all away from you. I'm going to humble you, Nebuchadnezzar, because you may be the king of Babylon, but you're not the king of the universe. That's me. (laughs) I'm the king of all kings. And so he humbles him and later lets him return to become king again. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar says in that moment, chapter 4, verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are true and his ways just, and he's able to humble those who walk in pride. He was humbled. He came to realize that God humbled him and he was poor in spirit, and then he recognized the greatness of God. And that's the way all of us enter the kingdom of heaven. Have you entered the kingdom of heaven yet? Some of you are watching online this morning. We are so grateful to have people, over 100 people every Sunday that watch online. Let me just say to you personally, have you entered the kingdom of heaven this morning? 
You can, and in just a few minutes, I'm going to come back and circle back to these three ideas of admitting, abandoning, abandoning, and asking to give you the chance this morning to enter the kingdom of heaven, to actually become a citizen of heaven, to be able to say that heaven is yours, as Jesus promises those who are poor in spirit this morning. So not only do we enter the kingdom of heaven through absolute dependence, but secondly and quickly this morning, I want you to see that we experience the kingdom of heaven through absolute dependence. See, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven will be ours. And so as believers in Jesus Christ, we are already citizens of the kingdom of heaven. A lot of us think about heaven and we think, well, that's somewhere, someday, way off in the future. I can't wait to get there as long as not today, (laughs) right? Someday, later on. No, actually, you're already, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're already a citizen right now. You live among the kingdoms of men, but you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven right now. So you live differently than everyone around you because you live for the king of all kings. So this morning, Peter says this about us. He says, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and temporary residents to abstain from the fleshly desires that war against you because we're temporary residents here. We don't really belong here. We're here temporarily. God's given us things to do here, but this is not our home. This is not where our citizenship lies any longer. Now we're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And that's not just someday, that's right now. We're citizens of the king, citizens of the kingdom. So let me ask you, are you experiencing the kingdom right now? Have you experienced the kingdom in your life? See, the kingdom is about at least three essential things. One, it's about knowing your purpose. You see, God's given every one of you a purpose. And when I share about Jesus with people who don't know him, one of the things I like to talk about with people is, did you know that you can be in a right relationship with the God of the universe who made you, who created you, who allowed your life to actually exist? And he will tell you exactly why he made you and why he puts you on the planet. And therefore, you can have a relationship with him that leads you to fulfill the purpose that he gave you. And there's nothing that brings you greater joy in your life than fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. And the kingdom of heaven is about people who are individually following God's will for them and living out his purpose for them. It's an amazing thing. And we know our purpose here at Marley, right? Our purpose is people leading people into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. And really, if your purpose is a little bit different, it's probably some nuance of that because that's why he has us here on the planet is to be about his business, about reaching people and helping them. So, so many times, if you're not absolutely dependent upon the Lord, you can drift away from your purpose. Say, well, yeah, I used to do that. I hear people say that all the time. I used to share my faith. Used to. What happened? Well, I don't do that anymore. Well, you matured out of that? Is that what happened? I mean, you got so mature you didn't need to do that anymore? Actually, it went the other way in most people's lives. I went the other way. I sort of forgot my purpose, kind of got away from it, and now I'm living for a different purpose, to make money or have a great retirement account or buy a bigger house or a boat or some cars or something like that. Make my business bigger and better. Oh, is that your purpose? As a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, is that your purpose? No, you go do those things in order that you can do the purpose that God has for you. But those aren't your purpose. But we drift away when we're not absolutely dependent every day on listening for God. We drift away from that. And so we got to come back and understand what our purpose is so we don't drift away from that. So it's not just purpose, it's also prompting. Because the king of the kingdom actually gives you instructions every day of how to live your life, who he wants you to interact with. When's the last time you sensed the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life? To do something, to speak to someone, to go over here instead of over here? 
We have a life-changing question here at Marbury that's really an awesome, simple little question. How am I listening to God today? Every day you have an agenda, you have a to-do list, you have things you have to get done, and you got to get all that stuff done, and you can go through your whole day and never really stop and consciously listen for the Lord's prompting. Right? You got to go to your job, you got to go to the grocery store, you got to pick the kids up, you got to go to practice, you got to come home, do all that stuff. But what if before your feet ever hit the floor in the morning, whether you have your, your time with the Lord in the morning or the evening, whichever, what if before your feet ever hit the floor, you said to the Lord, Lord, I want to listen for you today. I want to listen to you all day long today. I want to be in a constant, continual state of communication with you so that if you interrupt my day, if you prompt me, yes, I have to go to the grocery store, but that may mean that there's somebody at the grocery store besides just getting my my corn and my peas and all that. There may be some people there that you want me to speak to, to interact with, or you may want me to show them some kindness or do something, live out some other kingdom value in front of them. And that would make the day completely different than if I just run through there and get my stuff and try to get my parking place and get out of there and go home. So are you listening for the prompting of the Holy Spirit because each of us are part of his plan and he has an amazing plan. He knows what it is. I don't know his plan. So I'm surprised sometimes when he interrupts my day and prompts me to go do something. But later I figure it out and go, oh, I see what he was doing. And if I don't understand it now, I'll understand it later because he's perfect. His plan is always perfect. So we see that. We experience the kingdom of God by listening to his prompting. Now, Case in point, uh, you guys probably know the NFL season started on Thursday night. So the Eagles played the Falcons Thursday night. Some of you guys are probably aware of that. Maybe not either one of those teams are your favorite teams. I don't know. But the Eagles won the Super Bowl last year. And so I tuned in for a little bit of it. I didn't stay up and watch the whole thing. But I listened the next morning on the radio because the, on ESPN, they were interviewing a guy that plays for the Eagles. His name is Zach Ertz. And Zach is a believer in Jesus Christ. So the guy was interviewing him, asking him a bunch of questions, and uh, he asked him about his playlist, you know, because they got a rain delay or a lightning delay. They had to go back in. He's like, it's the worst when you have to go back in. You're all warm, and now you got to go back in and try to stay warm and that whole thing. So he said, well, tell me what kind of music you listen to when you're in a situation like that. And he was expecting him to say, he said, I was expecting you to say Metallica or Megadeth or something, you know, rah, 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 you know, get you all motivated or whatever. He goes, I listen to worship music. What? And this guy didn't understand what he was talking about. He's like, what do you mean? Like, is it inspirational or uplifting? He's like, well, yeah, <laughs> obviously, yeah. He's like, well, you want to give a shout out to like some of your groups because that means today they're, you know, they're the app store people will be buying their music all day long. He goes, yeah, listen to Hillsong United and Elevation Church and all these different things. He had no idea what the guy was talking about, you know. But he's like, I do that. Well, so in the game, the guy was covering him. His name, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, Kino or Kino uh, Neal. He played for the Falcons. And so he's a DB or something. And he was covering Zach Ertz. And uh, this guy said, well, you juked him so bad that he blew out his ACL. First game of the season, this guy blew out his ACL. He's done for the season. Bummer, you know. And Zach said, yeah, I've already been in contact with him this morning. Like, I've already talked to him this morning. Friday morning, Keen O'Neill experienced the kingdom of God. Because one of the citizens of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, followed the prompting of the Holy Spirit and contacted this guy to encourage him. And the commentator, the, the guy who was interviewing him, said, you did what? He's your competitor. He goes, yeah, I reached out to him to tell him that I hope he gets better. I just want to encourage him, let him know I'm thinking about him. And man, he's a great competitor. I want to see him back out on the field. I hate it for anybody who blows out their knee like that. He experienced the kingdom of heaven because Zach Hertz was obedient and followed through on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when we follow the Holy Spirit in our life. When he prompts us, we see him do amazing, wonderful things. Jesus said this, your kingdom come, in the model prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when's the last time you understood that God was prompting you to do something and you stepped out and did it and you saw something amazing? 
That's what God wants to do in our lives as citizens of heaven every day while we live here on this earth. So it's about our purpose. It's about our prompting, the Holy Spirit prompting us. But then it's about people. Really, it comes down to people. The only only things that are going to leave this planet someday are people. All the stuff's not going anywhere. The stuff that we think is so valuable and important. Jesus was focused on people when he came here. He spent most of his time with people because people are what matter. People are eternal. And so the Lord wants us to to use us and prompt us to touch the lives of other people. It kind of goes back to that purpose. But think about this. I know three weeks ago or so we brought up Jan LaJoy, who's our our coordinator for our engaged ministry that we're doing right now. You guys may remember we gave you the little bracelets that had engage one, text engage one to 555-888 when you engage someone. That's about three weeks ago. She said every day since then, I asked her this week, Every day since then, somebody new has texted her from our church and said they engaged someone and told that little bit of that story and just asked for prayer or whatever. That means that at least 21 new people have been engaged with the gospel in the last three weeks, probably more than that. That's awesome. That's what all of us are supposed to be about, the lives of other people. God sends us into the lives of other people. I don't know if you caught this, but Rob said when people came to his house in the video, some obedient church members came to my home. Did you catch that? They followed the Lord. Now, I don't know if you caught this. He said, we were in the front yard for two hours, which means Rob didn't invite him into his house. <laughs> right? Somebody knocks on your door. He said, we weren't going to Moberly. He probably didn't even know who they were. Somebody knocks on your door and you think, yeah, let me shut the door and come outside because I can always go back in. But once you're in, I can't get you out. So he was like, well, let's talk to him in the front yard. For two hours, they talked in the front yard. I have to believe at some point, those two or three people from Moberly that went to his house probably were asking themselves, this is a waste of time. He didn't even invite us in. He's not really interested in what we're talking about. Now, two hours in, they probably went, oh, wow, I'm experiencing the kingdom of heaven right here on earth because I did what the Lord wanted me to do, and I came over here with these other two people, and we're having a really meaningful conversation with a man whose God is changing his life right in front of our eyes. It's amazing when you follow the Lord and you follow the prompting of the Lord. He uses you in people's lives Is your life characterized by poverty, or is it characterized by self-sufficiency? I think what happens is for a lot of believers in a lot of churches today, we start being poor in spirit because we know that's the only way that we can come to Christ. But then after a while, we get away from being poor in spirit, and we get kind of full of pride again. We stop listening every day. We stop depending. We don't really have absolute dependence on the Lord anymore. We sort of do it in our own strength, and we get off purpose, and we don't care about people, and we become disobedient. And that's why God's kingdom is not flourishing as well as it could be flourishing on the planet right now, because the people who are citizens of it are living for different things and not for the things that he wants us to be living for. The kingdom of heaven is all around us, and only those who are absolutely dependent experience it. So third this morning, not only do you enter the kingdom of heaven by being absolutely dependent on the Lord and you don't, and experiencing the kingdom of heaven through absolute dependence, but thirdly, You enjoy, we enjoy the kingdom of heaven through absolute dependence. Think about it this way. Jesus says, blessed. He uses that word blessed. Remember Pastor Glenn said last week that that word is translated a lot of times into the word happy. And some of your translations may say happy are the poor in spirit. And happy is not like, I'm happy today, I'm sad today. It's not a flippant kind of a thing. It's this overwhelming sense of being blessed. Pastor Glenn said it this way, oh, the blessedness of being poor in spirit. Because it's, it's really a condition. It's, it's talking about your state before the Lord. When you have the Lord in your life, you are in a state of being blessed. 
Whether you know it or not, you're blessed by the Lord because you have eternal life and you're a part of His eternal kingdom. This is what Paul said in Romans. He said, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy. Jesus said this about his kingdom. He said, seek first his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your father delights to give you the kingdom. So if the kingdom of heaven is a place where we're blessed as citizens and constantly blessed from now on, and if, if the kingdom of heaven is about joy, and if the father delights to give us the kingdom, then we probably ought to be able to enjoy that, don't you think? We ought to be able to tell our faces about it every once in a while and kind of smile and go, I'm blessed. I'm been, I've been joyfully given this amazing kingdom that I'm a citizen of. I'm an heir of the king of kings, unshakable, indestructible. I can enjoy that, right? So would the people around you characterize your life? If, if we said, hey, give me the three top characteristics of your husband, your wife, your kids, your spouse, whatever, your friends, your neighbor, would your life be characterized, would one of those top three things be joy or not? Not happiness, because things change in our lives, but there's an overwhelming sense of joy with knowing that some things can't change. And that's one of the reasons that you can enjoy the kingdom of heaven is because your eternal security is certain. It's not up to you. Once you enter the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven is not up to you anymore. You could mess it up if it was up to you, right? I could mess it up if it was up to me. You can't lose your place. You can't lose your citizenship. You can't lose your salvation. That's not true. I was next door neighbors with a man one time who believed that he could lose his salvation every time he messed up. So he said, I would just get saved and tomorrow I would lose it and I have to get saved again and then I'd lose it again. He's like, why, why bother? I was like, man, that is not the way the Bible talks about salvation at all. I, that's nowhere in the Bible. You can't find that. That idea is not in there of getting it and losing it and getting it and losing it. Yeah, if you live that way, that'd drive you crazy. You don't live that way. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Your eternal security is certain because you have a perfect Savior. Not because you're perfect, but because you have a perfect Savior who holds on to every single saint perfectly, he says. He won't let, it out, let you out of his hand. He has control. No one's over him. And he holds on to you. So that ought to be something to enjoy about being in the kingdom, right? People around us ought to go, why are, you, why are you joyous today? It's a terrible day. It's raining outside or whatever your team lost or whatever else. You know why? Because that stuff's all temporary. I'm part of an eternal kingdom that can't be shaken, and it's certain that I'm a part of it. And I can't even mess it up. <laughs> now, that ought to make you smile. And the people around you ought to go, I need some of that, right? I mean, most of us live our life going, hey, eventually somebody's going to come up to me and ask me what's so wonderful about my life, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus, you know? Has that happened yet in your life? <laughs> it's happened once in my life, about three years or two years after I got saved, and a kid just goes, why don't you cuss anymore? Now, that was it. That was the reason that he thought something was different about my life, you know? But the reality is if we're waiting on people to come up and just ask us, that's probably not going to happen, but they might see joy in us and go, that's different. I don't have that. I need that in my life. Well, that comes from depending on the Lord absolutely all the time, being part of His amazing kingdom. So. Our, our eternal security is certain, but then we also get to be part of an amazing community. The best people I know are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. The best people I've ever known on the planet are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Now, that doesn't mean every citizen of the kingdom of heaven 
is a great person to be around, right? <laughs> but, but the best people that I've ever known are people who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and they live out kingdom values. What am I talking about? Well, real quickly this morning, one, they seek to glorify God. Man, this singing this morning was all about God. It wasn't about anybody on the stage. It wasn't about you. It was about God. It was about the eternal king, all those amazing things we said to him about him because they're all true this morning. That gives glory to God. It's about him. And if your life is about giving glory to God, then people will know that you're out to make him famous in your life. You're not interested in making yourself look better or be famous or be known or be recognized. No, your life is about glorifying him. God matters most in your life. That's a kingdom value, right? The second kingdom value is love, or in other words, valuing people. People matter more. Matter more than what? They matter more than my time. They matter more than my schedule. They matter more than my convenience or my comfort. Listen, this is so amazing. We're building a preschool building right out there that costs over $4 million, and to date, we have not borrowed a penny. Not a penny. Now, why? Why? Because a bunch of you, not all of you, not all of you, okay? But a bunch of you said people matter more, even if they're in preschool, they matter more. I don't even have any preschoolers. People matter more. Matter more than what? Matter more than me buying a boat or another toy or something else to go in the garage or a bigger lawnmower. Or I don't know. Two vacations this year instead of one, three instead of two, whatever. A beach house or whatever kind of house. People matter more than that stuff. People have been doing that at Marbury Baptist Church for 80 years. They've been saying people matter more. So you're the recipient of that, I am too. Listen, we're sitting in a worship center that's newly remodeled, that's awesome. And if you don't like the chairs, don't tell me. I think they're great, okay? I think they're really awesome, way better than the pews in my personal opinion. And, and, and the, the stuff that we have now, the technology is really improved in here. And the same thing's true in Marshall. If you've been over there, we renovated that place too. And ultimately, we've gotta build this inside hallway across the front of our, front of our campus. Because in just a couple of weeks, well, it's already true, but once we renovate the rest of that preschool building, you won't be able to go through that building to get from the bridge over here on Sundays. And on a day like today, when it's raining, there'll be no way to get from one point to the other without getting out in the rain. We got to do something about that. People matter more. So we're going to do something about that in the days ahead. We have to have that, right? And on and on. You're part of a church that gets that. Aren't you glad about that? That you're part of a church that says people matter more. You live in a community of people that say, because we're citizens of heaven, our priorities are rightly aligned. People matter more than my stuff, right? The third principle is service. That's the third kingdom value. People serving the Lord, doing their part, serving, using the gifts he's given them to serve the Lord. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you benefited from someone else's service to the Lord? When, when was it? Exactly. Thank you very much. You just did, right? You heard people who got up here this week and practiced the music so that they wouldn't be singing off key and be distracting you with all that. No, they sang together perfectly. The instrumentalists played together perfectly. Distraction free. Why? To serve the Lord. You benefited from their service. More than that, you came in, you got a cup of coffee. You didn't make that cup of coffee. Somebody else did that. Somebody drove a golf cart to get you from the back parking lot in here this morning. Somebody's with your kids right now over there in preschool or children or youth, and they're teaching your kids about the Lord. They're serving the Lord. You benefit from being in a community where people practice kingdom values, one being service, which says, I matter least. People matter more, I matter least. I want to serve the Lord if I can do that. That helps the kingdom. I'm all about the kingdom because I'm all about the king of the kingdom, right? And the fourth of those is truth. The fourth value is simply truth. 
Biblical truth is the foundation for everything that we do. It's the, it's the foundation for all decisions, actions, and relationships. The Word of God is true. It's always going to be true. So what we believe now, we will find to be true later. There is no deception and no lie in this. So when we, when we live out that kingdom value of truth, it means that sometimes we speak the truth to each other, don't we? We tell the truth to each other, and we count on each other because of that. So this morning, you benefit, you can enjoy the kingdom of heaven because you live in a community of people who live out those values. And man, if more people did, it would just be sweeter and sweeter. But the reality is some people don't. Some people have moved away from absolutely depending on the Lord, and they're depending on other things. They're depending on themselves now. So this morning, I just want to wrap up by circling back to something I said at the very beginning, and that's this. Some of you are already citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And I would challenge you, admonish you this morning from the Word of God to return to absolute dependence on Him. John 15 talks about He's the vine, we're the branches. We have to be dependent on Him to bear fruit in our lives. There's so much there. Scripture talks about it. Jesus talked about it over and over again. Some of you need to repent this morning. You need to return. You need to abandon your self-sufficiency even after you've come to Christ and come back to this place of saying, I depend on you. I'm listening to you every day, Lord. A beautiful thing happens in our life when we do that. But some of you have never even entered the kingdom of heaven. I want everybody to be really still and quiet just for the next couple of minutes, okay? You're watching online this morning. You've never entered the kingdom of heaven. You have to completely understand and see yourself for what you are. You're bankrupt. And that's bad news. But the good news is Jesus will meet you right there. You admit your situation. You abandon your sin. You sell everything, essentially, to get Jesus. And when you ask him to come into your life, the Bible promises that he will and that he'll save you. So all across this room this morning, I'm going to ask everyone just to pray. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to pray. If you're already a believer, I want to ask you to pray for people that are sitting in this room this morning, people that are watching online this morning, who've never asked Christ to come into their life. But they're ready to do that this morning. You admit, you abandon, and you ask. And this morning... The Bible says, Jesus said, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father unless they come through him. So this morning, if that's you, if you'd say, that's me, I need Jesus, I'm there, I'm done, I have nothing to offer, I'm a beggar crying out for the Lord to save me this morning. Would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around but me. I want to lead you in a prayer this morning, a simple way to ask the Lord to save you. Just raise your hand if you're serious about that this morning. Somebody else, thank you. People are doing business with God this morning. Just raise your hand. You guys that raised your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, okay? There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's just an affirmation that you trust in him. So he knows your heart. Just your way of asking him to come in and save you this morning. So you can pray this in your heart. He knows if you mean it. He knows if you're sincere. You know if you're sincere. Just say this, dear God in heaven, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my pride in all the ways that works itself out in my life. I'm just sorry, God, this morning. I want to abandon that. I reject it. I turn away from it. I want you. Would you save me this morning? I need your help. Would you save me? Come into my life. Forgive me for everything. I would love that this morning. I want to be with you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you all the days of my life. I want to worship you as the King of Kings. Help me do that, Father. Give me courage to be unashamed of you before men. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.